I'm going to start. Okay. Mwah. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jake Kerr. This is the Black Ink Podcast. I'd like to welcome you to the 65th episode. I'm your host, and I'm excited today because I'm going to be breaking down a little topic that we all know a little bit about, but actually nothing at all when it comes down to it. And that is, of course, the metaverse. Now, if you're not well versed on this current topic, you may not know, or maybe you do know, that Facebook recently changed their name to Meta. Okay, And I think this has opened the door for a lot of people to have a false understanding of what it is from the start and realistically to just fucking also give up on the whole idea because when you take something like Facebook, which is two words that we kind of know what they are, we associate them individually and then together and we kind of get an idea of what they're trying to portray, it's kind of difficult to understand what meta is. And I think the important thing to know is that meta isn't what the metaverse is. Meta is simply a name that a company has given themselves, which has been derived from something that's already happening in an attempt to basically steal the throne of them being the only provider of this particular digital service. So I wanted to kind of talk about the little bit that I know about the metaverse. And the reason that I'm so invested in knowing these things and educating myself on them is because I got myself kind of organically into the NFT space, which if you aren't aware is the non-fungible token space, which I don't want to get too into right now. But will come up as it as it comes up organically later on. So I talk to my mum on the phone every day. Okay, and if I don't talk to her every day, I try to talk to her every day. And the reason I try and talk to her is because she lives on the other side of the country. <clears throat> and what we get when we talk on the phone is we get this opportunity to speak to each other, which is me talking and her hearing it, right? And if we really want, we can actually turn this into a FaceTime. And basically what happens with the FaceTime is instead of just having the ability to hear and respond through that one sense, which is obviously like hearing something and being able to respond to it with language. When we have a FaceTime video, we can actually see each other. So then we get to respond to each other's like, you know, maybe it's body movements or facial reactions, or we get to, you know, little nuanced things. Like we let to, we allow conversations to grow in a particular way because you can see that, oh, they're, they're, they're on the hook, they're interested in this story. Or you can tell when maybe mum's not that interested in this story because I can see she's busy kind of doing something else while she's doing it. And that's what the, the, like the ability to FaceTime and have those video calls allows you to do. And that's kind of the cap of where we're at as far as communication goes. Like when it comes to um, if you want to have, say, a meeting with your boss, you can jump on a Zoom call and you can be at home in your pajamas, you know, with a green screen behind you, with a fucking beach behind you sort of thing. And you can converse with each other. You can see what each other's kind of doing. You can see facial expressions. You can hear them speaking. You can respond to them and all the rest. Where I see the metaverse or the most easy example of what the metaverse is for me is starting with what we already know and what we can already relate to. I'm going to start from there and kind of build from there, right? So at the moment, if mum and I want a little bit more kind of intimate setting where we actually like, I have a conversation where I feel like I'm talking to mum because at the moment it's really great. I put my AirPods in, I walk around the backyard watering the plants and it's as if she's right there, right? So when I go to a video call, it's like she's almost there a bit more because now I can see her. I can experience what it's like to at least visually see her. But the thing is, I'm seeing her through this little screen. Or if it's my laptop and I'm on a Zoom call, I'm seeing her through this screen. And that screen is like the window into her world, right? The, the separation between us is obviously three, 4,000 kilometers. But the connection that we've made is through these two screens. So we can essentially see into each other's world. Now, we can't reach through the screen and touch each other. We can't, I can't give her a kiss on the cheek. I can't give her a hug but I can see it, right? So 
I think an appropriate place to start with the metaverse is being is like if you can imagine that we have this physical world where we're held back with the limitations of our physicality that I can't digitally give myself to the screen and she can't do vice versa and therefore we're limited to this communication that we have that is uh, hearing audio and sight visual right so imagine the metaverse as maybe a digital version of earth maybe an earth point two if you will so it's somewhere that exists but it exists digitally and instead of trying to make her come to me from the eastern states or me go to her through the through, from the western states we can instead both meet up in this digital world right so you go oh that's pretty fun it's cool you know so I build my character and she builds her character. And then what we do is we we have an agreed time. So it might be, you know, six o'clock her time and four o'clock my time. We agree like, right, I'm going to go log into whatever this, I don't know what it looks or feels like just yet. We'll, we'll figure it out as we're going. So let's say it's a, it's a program that we manipulate through like our hands and that. So it's like on a computer and we're going to, uh, let's come up with something, maybe... Imagine like a game. It's almost like online gaming. So her and I agree, right, we're going we're gonna to online game together at this particular time. I've got my character in the game. She's got her character in the game. Then we both log on and then both of those characters appear in a digital space. Okay. So now using the game analogy, the game structure, you can start to imagine that we both decide to log on at the same time. And now we have both of our characters, our avatars, whatever you want to call it, the thing that you control and represent within this digital world. We have those two characters meet in that world. Okay, So she's sitting in the Eastern States. I'm sitting in the Western States. We're both on our computer, but our characters are together in this digital world. Right. So now you can understand that even though we don't have the sight and the sound that we had on the phone call, we've actually got a different experience. Okay. So we've got these two things existing in each other where they can actually hug each other in that world. I can give her a kiss on the forehead in that world. And I know what you're thinking. Like, hey, it's still not a full experience of you actually kissing your mother on the forehead and her receiving that and feeling and all the rest. I understand that. So, okay. We've, we've decided we're both going to sit down. We're in this digital space together. Now let's add something that we already have in today's day and age. Let's add VR to it or AR even. So I put on, which if you don't know, is augmented reality or virtual reality. So we'll go with the virtual reality option. And... I said to her, like, right, we're going to log on to this thing. We're going to be in there at the same time. We're going to have our characters in the digital space together. But this time, we're going to put on our virtual reality headsets. So now the visuals is taken care of. We're going to put on a set of noise-canceling headphones that has a microphone down to it as well. So now we've got no outside world. We have none of this physical world noise interrupting us. We're just in this space together with the headphones on, with the VR goggles on, and with the microphone. So now when I move my head, I'm seeing everything in this digital space that we have elected to be in together. And as I look across, I see her character. And as I look over here, I see the surrounds of whatever space we're in. And then on top of that, when she speaks, I now hear it as if she's right next to me. Because of the VR technology, if I have my head over here and she's standing over here and she speaks to me, this ear has more of the voice than what this ear does because it's replicating what real life is like, right? So now we're starting to get a little bit more immersed into this digital space. We're sure it's not real and either of us actually exist in it. But for the sake of the fucking everything that's going on, this may as well be real. Because when my mum standing to the right of me talks to me, my right ear hears more than my left ear does, which is true in the physical world. And then when I look across over to my right, which is where the sound came from, I see that avatar of my mum, right? And the crazy thing about the early days of all of this is that you don't look anything like that person in real life. You look like a, a cartoon version of you 
still might be representative of you, but it's still a fucking cartoon, right? It's still going to look like mum made a cartoon of herself. She used one of the 30 different preset bodies that you could start with. She dressed it up with brown hair with a side cut on one side. She gave herself the same color eyes she has, the same lip shape she has, the same profile nose. She dressed herself in the same clothes that she normally wears, and she put herself digitally in this space. And hell, I made a six foot four, you know, tall white guy with long hair who wears black shirts and black shorts and black shoes, and he's got the same tattoos as me, but for the sake of the conversation, he still looks like a cartoon version. He still looks like a digital version of me. So it's very kind of clunky at the start. And I can understand that, you know, right now we can have these experiences where we meet up in, like right now with today's technology, what I'm talking about is 100% real. We can exist in this digital space, right? And you can't, you know, you can't walk around and you can't, I can't actually hug and feel her hug me back and all the rest. But we've got the start, right? We've got the start of a real feeling of connection, right? The start was being able to make a phone call where I can hear her voice and she can hear mine. And no matter how good the connection was, it was actually her talking into the phone and it was actually her voice I was hearing on the other end. That's the start. So we're now a step after that where we can we can exist in this digital space. And in a particular way, this already happens because we already exist in this digital world of Instagram and Facebook where we've built our characters and our profiles and our avatars to look how we're, however we want to look and they interact in that digital space however we want them to react through the actions that we take on the app itself. But we don't really visualize it like that. We just see it on the, on the first person kind of uh, you know, user experience where there isn't an avatar of me that exists on Instagram more so that I use Instagram to connect with the people I want to connect with. Right? So this idea where, and this is very similar to like me and mum can talk in our DM sort of thing. And that is a way of communicating that it is more than communicating with her just by sending smoke signals from Western Australia to fucking the East coast. Right? So now using the technology we've got, we understand that we can put on a virtual reality headset, we can put on the headphones, we can upload ourselves digitally with an avatar to this digital space, and we can be there with this person to have this experience, right? But it still doesn't really give us any clarity as to what the metaverse is, right? Or what the what meta c- could possibly be. So I was talking to mum on the phone just recently, and I was trying to elaborate to her what this kind of meant for the future. And the thing about the metaverse is, the thing you have to understand from the very first fucking piece of information you receive is the potential of the metaverse is so exponential that no one of us can even imagine what this is going to turn out to be. Okay? So what we can do now is we see the playing field. We see the the game board that we're dealing with, and we're starting to see... The possibilities, the opportunities, we're starting to get a bit of an understanding of what it is, but all we really have is the layout, right? So the layout for, for, for to give it any sort of kind of depth and understanding, the layout that we've got to deal with is the blockchain. So what the blockchain or the layout does is it gives us basically a set of rules that we can work within. And then the top technology that is developed and engineered within those rules and built on top of it is going to be the things that allows us to do the things that I'm talking about, the things that we can't imagine. So... Mum said to me, well, if we can't imagine it, then what are we working towards? I said, okay, well, let me give you a real, literal example of something that maybe we can look forward to. I'm not saying this is necessarily going to happen, but maybe we can look forward to this. I said, so right now we talk on the phone, and this is brilliant because I can just call you any time of the day. You've got a little fucking square thing in your pocket. It rings. You know it's me. You swipe it. You say hello, and then you're talking to me, okay? And just as I've explained to you now, we get that feeling of connection. We get the feeling of being there with one another. 
Okay, and then I gave her the analogy of like, right, if you and I were both into virtual reality and we both had the applicable hardware, software and, and all the rest, we could experience each other in a digital arena. Now we could buy the fucking computers. We can make it happen. I could show you how to use it. And we could get to a point where we can exist there, but it's not very rewarding. We don't have much haptic feedback coming back to us via our very five basic senses we have as humans. Okay, so the reason to do that would essentially just to be to have a little bit more on top of what we've got right now. For the cost and the energy and the amount of learning you got to do, it doesn't quite equivalate. It doesn't quite justify the means, right? So I said, imagine this, okay? Imagine the patio of Grana and Pa's place, my grandparents, when I was growing up. They sold it when I was about 12, 13, 14 years old. But it was like, of all the moving that we did as a family, my, my mum and dad and I, this was the one stable place my whole life that I see as some sort of home because it was, you know, reputable in that time of my life. So I sort of was like, right, this is the one thing as far as a home goes in all of my life and family that hasn't changed and probably won't change. So I saw that as a sort of a home. And because it's my mum's mum and dad, and because it's something that I reference to so kind of, um, what's the word, like longingly or lovingly to that, like I really connect with that place. I was using that as an example. I said, now imagine this. Imagine you and I exist in a digital space, but instead of it just being some weird digital space, imagine it's there, okay? So just imagine that we kind of put this thing in our mind that we go digital space, it's pixelated. I mean, it's kind of that. We get, the, we get the idea of it. It's more of a gist of what it is, but it's not what it actually is. I want you to wipe that. And when I say we're digitally there, I want you to imagine that when you're there, it's such a high definition picture of this landscape in every angle that you look at, that it's not a question of if it's real. It's more of a question of like, where can this possibly end because there's so much information. And I mean that as in like, normally when you think of a high def picture, that high def picture is in a landscape, right? It has corners, it has edges. You can see where the picture stops and the rest of whatever's going on starts. The technology behind the landscape, the background of which this digital space that I'm talking about will be so high in resolution that it will be hard to understand where it starts and ends. You will believe not that you're looking at a picture of that patio area and that back that backyard. You'll believe that you are there, okay? Just through visually what you're seeing, okay? And you can you can already start to understand that if we reverse engineer what that experience is, it's someone having the right camera going there, taking a picture 360 degrees wide, being able to stitch it all together digitally so that when you virtually go there, you believe that it's a place. So that's actually kind of already attainable, right? Now I want you to imagine that we're standing, this is why while I'm sitting here in Bunbury with my virtual reality headset on whatever that looks like, or maybe I'm fucking plugged into the back of my head if that's what it's gonna be in five years time, who knows, we can't imagine it. And you're sitting there in, in the Eastern States in wherever you are. And when we plug into this, now we're sitting or we're standing on that back patio, okay? You can hear the birds in the trees. The same birds in the trees that were there when we were all hanging out there when I was 10 years old, right? You can see the trees at the height that they were when I was 10 years old, right? Now past that, every now and then you smell pine cones in the air. You smell the smell of the earth. You smell the two-stroke from Pa in the shed trying to start a fucking lawnmower that he's been working on all day, right? So now you start to understand that you get more of an immersive 
kind of situation or an immersive experience where it's not just a case of you having to fill in the gaps of believability between the, what you're being shown and what you think it could be. Now you're getting something that is so fucking crystal clear, taken from real life and put into the digital life that's been enhanced for that purpose that you believe optics wise, you're there. Then you believe audio wise that you're there. And then you get the smell of the of the pine trees and the pine nuts and or the whole and the earth and the fucking maybe there's something that Grandma's cooking in the kitchen behind us, whatever it might be. Now you believe sensory from your nose that you're there as well. Now, if the technology allows, imagine we're sitting on that back porch, Grandma's that crack. Sorry, imagine we're sitting on that back porch, Grandma's cooking dinner, Pa's in the shed with his fucking whatever it is. The trees are swaying in the thing, and we're smoking a cigarette together right? We're smoking a cigarette together. And now I can stand up. I can ash that cigarette out. I can walk over to you. I can give you a hug. And then I feel your hug squeeze me back in real life, right? And I know what you're thinking. This is a beautiful experience. I have just had this whole thing that requires me physically being with my mum in a particular place somewhere where we're both not at that time. I'm getting to live that life sitting in my office chair here in Bunbury, right? That's what the metaverse has. That's what the metaverse has potential to be, right? So obviously there's a lot of questions there like, oh, how do you fucking feel the, the smell in? How do you make it so that you can feel her hugging your back? How do you make it so you can smoke a cigarette? I don't know, but the one thing that I do know about technology is with demand and with the right money, every question can be answered. And this is one of those things where if you start to tell people like, that's an easy example of me talking to my mum face to face who I haven't seen for four years. So of course I want to talk to her, you know? So what happens when you want to have a conversation with Joe Rogan on the face of the moon? What happens when you want to talk to fucking Steve Irwin while you're both fucking 20 meters underwater hunting stingrays? You know, what happens when you want to talk to your dad who passed away five years ago and you want to talk to him fucking ringside at a basketball match? Like these are all the things that are going to be possible. So not only are we going to offer people connection to people in their life that they love, we're going to offer people connection to people that they never would have been able to meet or potentially people that they've met and who have passed away. We're going to be able to do this through the digital assets that people are already leaving behind on the internet as we speak. Someone's going to be able to take the audio, my mannerisms from my face, the way I move my arms when I talk from these podcasts and probably use them to create a digital version of me later on so that you can have a conversation about what I'm talking about right now with me in the future. That's what the metaverse is, right? To give you some clarity or to give you some kind of like distinction between all these things, an NFT, a non-fungible token, is a digital asset that will be used in one way or another in the metaverse, right? So as a very easy example, if I sell you an NFT right now, which is a, say I sell you a JPEG of the black ink logo, okay? So it's like a square in, in you know, say, let's say in the, the, the real world, it's a one meter by one meter poster of black ink and I sell it to you today for $10. There might be an opportunity in the future where you have that piece of artwork, that NFT, the non-fungible token hanging in your digital house so that when, when your friends come over to digitally visit you, when they walk in your house, one of the things that they, they look at one of your walls in your hallway and there it is. There's a black ink poster. 
right? And just the same as you being able to say, oh, I've got this this painting from XYZ who painted it in 1996 and this is right before they died and all the rest and this is it in the physical world. I can show you this. It's right here. That is what an NFT is going to be worth in the future because you have to imagine that if I can talk to my mum, if I can have a conversation with my mum in this digital space while she lives so far away from me in the physical life, you have to give me such a goddamn good reason to come back to this physical life to live. So you're saying these digital things that are only worth something if someone is willing to agree that that's worth what it's worth digitally. It's like, that's very cool, bro. When you live in a digital world, it's going to be worth whatever I fucking tell you it's worth. That's the reality of what's going on right now. And that's the direction that things are headed. And the, the arrogant or the naive idea that that's not where the world is headed. It's like, man, you simply don't understand what technology can do. Because now this is where it gets crazy. I use the example of this beautiful emotional thing where I go like, you know, I, I would love. And like, honestly, I think about this every day. I miss my mom every day in a different way every day, which is the thing that fucking gets me as I grow older. And mom, I'm not saying that so I can upset you. I'm saying that for the sake of this fucking story. Okay, so don't let that be the thing that, that you take away from this. But I use a, 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 an example that everybody can relate to in a way because everybody would love to have that special moment with a special person on demand. You know what I mean? Not have to wait until it's a holiday or a special occasion where you all the rest, okay? The reality is where this is gonna go is scratch what I just said about being able to have a special time with your mum. The porn star that you grew up masturbating to, you're going to be able to have sex with them in the future. You're gonna be able to digitally have sex with them and probably have nothing physically happen to you and you're gonna pay for that experience in the future, okay? So now you have to understand that just with that analogy alone, we start to break down what this could mean. So you're taking your average bloke who could work a normal job and you know get the car that they try and get and the little bit of jewelry and the little bit of clothes and shit they get and go out at the right time and drink the right things and hang out with the right people to hopefully get the, the possibility of maybe being in, per, in front of the person that they want to fuck, going through all the trials and tribulations of flirting with them, trying to get them home, trying to do all the things, having the sex, having a relationship, all the rest. Now, why the fuck would he do that if he can take a tenth of his original investment in the gym and the clothes and the bullshit and he can just pay someone directly to have a virtual fucking soul bonding experience with Christy fucking Mac and have the exact same outcome as what he gets when he imagines or fantasizes these things during masturbation and now he'd got that whole experience and just gets to dust his hands and walk free. Start to create like a almost dystopic society where you can understand that people would much rather be plugged in. And instead of just like making your money on the outside and spending it on the inside, shit, if you can figure out a way to make money digitally within the metaverse and also spend it in the metaverse, the only thing that matters to you in the outside world is keeping a heartbeat. That's literally it. It's not staying healthy. It's staying alive just enough that you can live within the metaverse. So now we start to see that this opening of the metaverse has got literally like at the moment it's got all the metaverse is affecting us in such a way that with everything that's happening globally and everyone having the push to try and work from home and work from zoom calls and kids being taught from zoom and all the rest you can kind of see this is a really early adaptation of living in these digital spaces even though 90 percent of it is actually physically living in our physical real world it's this mentality that Sure, we can all sit together in a board meet in a board meeting and we can have a conversation for two hours and we have all these ideas flying around the room and everyone walks out of the meeting feeling chipper because we did really well. What if we can reduce the cost of having to have 
the property, the table, the chairs, the coffee we've got to give everyone, the biscuits we've got to have on the spread and all the rest. And then in an individual sense, the time spent in traffic that person had to take to get to the meeting, the fucking, the fuel they had to get for the car to get to the meeting, the other bullshit that fits in front of and after the meeting and all the rest. What if we can reduce all of that and instead of that, we'll just say, hey, can you log on to the Zoom meeting at nine o'clock in the morning and we'll all be there and all of us, you know, don't even really have to put on pants. As long as you've got the top half on and the tie, we're good as gold, okay? Now you you evolve that to the next version of that. So now instead of having this thing where we're sitting in home in our PJs and with terrible morning breath, now you can understand that we'll go, right, we're gonna upload ourselves to the meeting room 704B, whatever it's called, so at nine o'clock, I need you to have your virtual reality on. And can you please make sure that your avatar is dressed appropriately for this time? So, so just so we don't look like fucking idiots. So now at nine o'clock, everyone puts in their, their fucking virtual reality things. And they're sitting at what was originally a physical fucking, what do you call it? A, a table in a room with other people and all the rest. Now, instead of that being physical, they're sitting in that same environment, but it's all digital. Okay, so everything is brought to them by a program, everything they're experiencing, like down to even the fucking nice lemony, fresh smell you get when you walk into the room. Everything is down to that digital experience and more so it didn't cost anyone a single thing except for the establishment fees in that digital space, whatever it might be, whether, you know, in the future, I don't know whether it's going to be gas fees or hosting fees or whatever it might be. The simple fact is we didn't have to build a building. We didn't have to get amenities to it. We didn't have to provide parking. We didn't have to worry about the lift breaking down. We didn't have to worry about people not being happy with the chairs. We created a space that people adapt themselves to and can work within. This affects everything. This affects every industry. This affects every worker. And whether you're involved in it or not is going to create divide in society and is really one of those things. Like, I'm not trying to send a warning message. I'm not trying to fucking predict what's going to happen. All I'm trying to do is get the information that I've got in my mind and fucking do something with it. Because as far as I'm concerned, there, I mean... It's one of those things. People get all the information. The first thing they want to do is say whether it's good or bad. I think people are failing to realize that one of the few constants in living a human life is that everything is going to change. And your opinion as to whether it's good or bad doesn't fucking do anything. Okay? If something is changing and you don't like it, the best thing you can do is start working towards an adaptation to that change rather than voicing the fact that there's change happening. Because it seems like a real human trait to be like, oh, the fucking world's changing. We need to fucking, we need to do whatever we need to do to reverse this particular change so we can go back to the way things are. It doesn't work like that, sweetie. If things are changing, you need to come up with a solution to the new problem. You don't need to try and backtrack the problem or pull the problem out of the situation. You need to come up with a solution to the problem. And the thing is, like, you can look at Mark Zuckerberg walking around, coming up with all these crazy ideas about what he thinks the meta version of what his building is going to be. And so like, oh, he's setting us up just to take more of our information or this or that, the other. Dude, he's making the next bit of technology that essentially you fucking asked for. Right? You asked for this. I'm not, again, I'm not having a go at you making a prediction or, or giving you a warning. This is a direct response to people continuing to use the thing that we know is bad for us, okay? So you can't get upset if, if a cigarette company comes out and says, here's this one milligram tobacco smoke and you're smoking it, smoking it, the information comes out that it's bad. Then everyone's like, these fucking cigarettes are, these are fuck, these are, these cigarettes are bad for you. 
These are fucking terrible for you. Understand? The cigarette company comes out again and goes like, these are 10 milligram nicotine cigarettes. If you want to give them a shot, and everyone's like, fuck, these 10 milligrams, these are worse than the last one. These are even worse than the one milligram ones. I got a mate that fucking got pancreatic cancer the other day. The cunt's dead. And then the business is like, we got these 100 gram cigarettes if you want to try them. Look, they're fucking, they're pretty bad, but you want to try them. These are like, these are the, the freedom equivalent of, of fucking being on the highway, but you just get to smoke it. You understand? These are for you. And then you've got people that are like, I think they're going to steal our information. These 100 gram cigarettes are going to be the death of humanity in general. The person who created these cigarettes is evil. No shit, they're fucking evil. They told you from the start they're evil. There's been thousands of independent studies saying that they're fucking evil. And now they're bringing out the next thing and you're like, I think it's going to be evil. No shit, bro. It was born in evil land. That's what the fuck is going on. It's got nothing. You you think you're going to say it's evil and it's going to stop, dude. I don't know if you realize Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk have all the power now, right? So this isn't a case of you realizing like, oh, yeah, I think there's some, some conspiracy shit going on. Yeah, there is. Get ahead of the train and make money from it. Okay, you're not going to stop anything. I mean, dude, do you want the harsh reality of what we're going to stop as humanity? Did you know if everyone just all together at the same time thought, hey, I see what the vaccine is, but what's it protecting us from? Coronavirus, right. Would coronavirus actually do me personally too much damage if I caught it myself, right? If we answered that thing, then we can go, hey, you know what? The vaccine isn't super essential. And just using Australia as an example, if we all just said, hey, we're not going to get the vaccine, let's be serious. You want to bring this mandate in? Everyone's going to lose their job if we don't get the vaccine. Okay, all of us have lost our job. What are you going to do now, Australia? That's a real actual result if people just banded together and did something about it. But we couldn't even get our shit together for that. You know what I mean? Like We, we really couldn't get our shit together for that. Literally, all it took was everyone just having a similar thought at the same time, like, hey, yeah, if you want to get a vaccine, go get it. But as far as being told we have to get it, like, hmm, hmm, I know that works for your little fucking life, but there's heaps of people living little lives that are really important to them. Actually, they're just as important to them as yours is to you, and they don't see it the same way you did. So for the sake of you keeping your freedom, you should let them keep their freedom sort of thing. Seeing that that was absolutely not at all a justifiable position that any state or region of Australia could handle to manage for themselves kind of suggests that it doesn't really matter how evil you think Facebook is or all the negative shit they're going to do. The thing that you need to see is that they're an unstoppable train and you have to figure out a way of adapting your life around it. So if you do think it's unhealthy or it's something that you don't want to be a part of or it's unethical or unmoral, make the changes with you first and let that manifest around you and maybe turn into a bigger change. But in reality, if you're just going to discuss all these potential things that could be wrong with it then you're a fuckhead you know that's that's your that's your category that you fit into is fuckhead you're someone who talks about problems instead of discussing solutions do you understand that's the majority of people most people don't even realize they're in that category most people think they're the odd one out that the rules apply to everyone else and not them and that's especially who the fucking rules apply to hmm Look, enough about the metaverse. I fucking, I recorded this podcast and if you follow my pages, you see I actually uploaded a fair few um, clips that are, dude, they're, they're like the audio raunchy version of clips, man. Like even I was always posting the clips thing and like, dude, this could, someone could see this and like literally just unfollow me on the spot because I'm like, I'm talking about like, Man, there was this whole story and like I shouldn't even fucking get into it like right now because then it kind of defeats the purpose of me fucking... I'm going to do it anyway. Look, I used to work at this place 
I don't want to get too into the details, but basically there was this over-the-top gay gentleman who was in his 50s, and him and I got along reasonably well. I was fucking 16 at the time. I was, and to give you like some sort of fucking depth in this whole situation, I was still scared of girls, okay? Like I was like, like I'm pretty sure, like I, dude, I might've had my first kiss when I was like 15 or 16, like reasonably late. And then like continued on to not continue kissing girls for a long time. So I was very like, unexperienced, scared. I was very like defensive of the idea that I was even a sexual person. I had weird pressures from my fucking dad to not be gay, which is, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying he was brought up old school and like there were little things that happened when I grew up where he showed like literal fear that I might be gay sort of things. So I was like, had this whole, just, I don't even know why I took it down that track. Anyway, stick with me here. So I'm at this fucking, but I just really want to hammer home. There's nothing against my dad in that. That was just like something that I experienced and now I have the kind of maturity and experience to understand at an older age that he was just um, kind of expelling or pushing out that feeling of like what he grew up with and like that that used to be a problem for his generation. If someone was gay, it was a problem. It wasn't just like, oh, that's you, you do your thing sort of thing. But I, you know, definitely had some some subconscious, uh, what is it when you're... uh, like homophobia, I guess, you know, but at the same time, I knew that about myself. Like I knew there was this like homophobia kind of like attitude in society. And I've always seen myself as being like an outlier of society in general. So I didn't want to just adopt this like, oh yeah, you know, fill in the blank sort of thing. So when I found out, and like, this was like my second or third job, when I found out that I was, you know, I was like, obviously working with this gay man, I was more intrigued than I was like repulsed by it. I was always like, oh, like, not only are you a dude that's gay, like you're a dude who's like living gay, you know, like you don't fucking, you're not holding back. You're not being gay in the shadows. You're like, yeah, dude, I'm fucking gay. That's what's up. So in my mind, I was always like, I want to listen to your stories more than I want to fucking have a problem with you. If I'm very honest with you, like I was always kind of taken aback by the fact that this man was essentially the same age as my dad. And knowing what I knew about like my dad, for example, and, and the whole idea of what being gay was and what it was to be gay in society and how he, not he viewed gay people, but how his generation viewed homosexuality in general. I was always like, you're a fucking animal to this dude because it's just like you're so busy living it. You don't actually have time for homophobia. Anyway, now that I've uh, finished blowing him up, he was also the sort of dude who would make and like this is the thing. I get it. Jokes are funny. Okay. And like, you have to appreciate that jokes are funny. And a lot of people forget before they start telling jokes or having jokes said about them or listening to jokes about other people, they forget that jokes are funny. You know what I mean? So if you're the sort of person who has some sort of obvious, um, like, you know, let's say I, I, I've got a friend who had his fucking arm and his leg blown off in war. Okay. I would never stop making jokes about things costing an arm and a leg to that person. Okay, every week. And if I was him, I would never stop making arm and leg jokes because obviously I'm not saying that to hurt his feelings. You know, like being a human, interacting with another human, there's a certain amount of unwritten rules that we all live by. And when someone makes, especially a friend, makes a direct to your face joke about something that you're like, maybe you've discussed it or maybe it's apparent that you're insecure about that particular thing. When someone makes a joke about that, it's your civic duty. It's your social responsibility to not be offended and laugh at it. 
okay? Because when you choose to be a cunt, and that's what you're doing when you choose to be offended at things that are actually jokes, that are, that were said for the intention of being something that you shouldn't say or going too far or making a joke, when you choose to be offended by that, you start to rip the fabric of society apart, okay? Because you make unnecessary division. You've created an us and them, like, oh, well, I don't agree with what you're saying. It's like, hey, man, cool. You can 100% politely disagree with what I'm saying. We can have a conversation, never bring it up again. But when you choose to be offended about it, that is you being a fuckhead. I'm making a total point that has nothing to do with this story. What I'm saying is, is there are jokes and there are jokes. You know what I mean? There are things that like you go, ha ha ha, that's funny because of maybe whoever the person you are or whatever the person I am and it makes sense. And I remember one of the kind of common things was that the the base of the joke was that I was, you know, a you know, I was I was a skinny, I want to say attractive young dude, but you can't say that about yourself because people are like, oh, he's fucking thinks he's hot shit, which, you know, we, you and I both know I am, but I, I can't do that, you know. So I was like a 16-year-old, just gone through like a growth spurt, kind of had some confidence about me because I was an athlete. You know, I was, I, I appreciated that I had this little touch of zing that made me a little bit different. And like, when I say I wasn't kissing girls, I wasn't short of taking girls on coffee dates because for some reason at the time and like, dude, being 100% honest, I haven't actually thought about this since I used to be doing this, but I would take coffee date girls on coffee dates because I wanted to be the person who took girls on coffee dates. It was more to do with the optics of being someone who was always at a cafe with a girl drinking coffee than it was actually being there and talking to her and finding out about her and maybe working towards something you know, I mean, obviously I'm talking about working towards like a relationship back then. It would have just been like working towards getting a fucking hand job or something, which scared the living fuck out of me. Like I, dude, even at 16, I remember being like, even though I've kissed a girl, I don't understand the mechanics of what kissing is. And it's probably easier just to avoid kissing a girl than it is to learn it and embarrass myself. So I'm just going to separate myself from the whole idea of kissing anyone for now and move on. Anyway, one of the jokes that always got like put on to me from this one particular elderly gay gentleman is like, oh, you're always bringing different girls in here, rah, rah, rah. And like, dude, I probably took in like four girls in the whole time that I fucking ever worked there sort of thing. And I remember this one time, like I took in this particular girl, forget who fucking she was is how important this whole situation was, but took in this girl and he's like, oh, like as I walked in the door, he's like, oh, another one, another one for your count. Hey, always bring, rah, 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 rah. And it's like, yeah, cool, dude. Like you're funny, haha. I'll see you on Tuesday sort of thing. So end up that turned into he believed and I don't even know how the fucking joke started, dude. And it was the joke was is like, oh, you know, like you might be successful with girls, but fucking when it comes to guys, yeah, you know, that then turned into like he believed that there was a part of me. And look, I don't know. I don't know. I barely remember the fucking bones of this story. So as far as remembering all the meat and gristle, I don't know how it fucking got to here. It may have been me playing along with the joke. It might have been me being polite. And it may have been him just being an overtly older sexual gentleman. I don't know. But it came out to this point where he was like, oh, you know, you haven't found the light yet. You can, you know, every straight guy can be turned. You don't know what you're talking about. Rah, rah. So basically suggesting that perhaps I wasn't completely heterosexual or heterosexual at all and that I needed some of this guidance or encouragement or whatever you want to see the light or whatever you want. And I was like, you know what, dude? Like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like this idea that I'm that, that you think I'm gay or that it takes a bit of encouragement, whatever it might be. And again, this is a fucking, this is a story that I'm making up completely from the top of my head. It has no actual 
real physical reach into my life and only for the sake of entertainment purposes and so on and so forth. You get what I'm saying? So he, uh, we, we played this game backwards and forwards, the idea that, you know, I'm, I might be, I might be gay and I might be able to be turned and all the rest. And I, I piece by piece, you know, said like, hey man, like I don't like this. And then he also combined it with this thing that like, okay, we need to footnote all of this. I don't like being touched, okay? I don't like being physically touched. If we shake hands, all good. We bring him for a hug, all good. Anything else, no reason to be touching me. You know what I mean? No reason at all. So much to the point that like, you know, if I'm laying in bed with Larissa and like, you know, move positions and then like her elbows touching my back, like I'll move so that her elbows not touching my back. Not because I don't like her touching me, but because like my mind is only going to think about that place of being touched and all I can focus on, not what I'm watching, not what we're talking about, nothing. It's only on the fact that I'm being touched by something. It's you, it's your elbow. Cool, does it need to be there? Maybe I'm too hot, you're too cold. That's where my mind goes, it goes off and off and off. And in the hospitality, hospitality industry, you... Um, Dude, I've done it again. I wasn't going to tell this story. I'm fucking balls deep in this story. So anyway, in the hospitality industry, you say behind when you're behind someone. Because sometimes you can be carrying coffee, carry food, maybe carrying heaps of dishes. So you say behind to someone, they don't accidentally step back and ruin whatever you're doing. Right? It's pretty easy to understand. So he would he would, he would combine his behind thing with touching you on the back. And hey, man, touch me on the middle of the back. Touch me wherever you are. You know, behind, behind, behind. It's all good. Then it would grow into like a behind, it was the fingers and then drag across the top of the back. Now, as I've said in the other podcast I didn't upload, Larissa could do that to me and I would be 100% uncomfortable. Don't drag your fucking hand across my back. What, what instance ever in real life do you need to drag your hand across my back? Now, I remember one, you know, one afternoon or one, I think it was an evening, I fucking, yeah, dude, I, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm in there, I'm in the kitchen, and he goes, oh, behind sweetie, and dragged his hand across my back. I'm like, bro, just don't fucking touch me, okay? Just don't touch me from now on. Don't ever touch me. Say whatever you got to say, but don't touch me. And then his mouth back was some fucking who knows what. And then I have said to him, um, I've said, I can't, I can't even like acronym what I said because you'd be able to figure out what I said and it's a sort of thing that gets you fucking, you know, cancelled later on when you've got millions of dollars. So I just, I said something fruity to him, you know? And he said to me, he goes, oh, sweetie, you just won a battle that you can't, you just started a battle that you can't win and then walked out of the kitchen. And I was like, fucking whatever, dude, whatever. Just don't touch me, you know? So we went from like, you know, having a good kind of rapport backwards and forwards to like, oh, you know, you're a fucking playboy, you get all the girls and have coffee with them and rah, 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 to like, oh, you know, you'd be fuck all, you know, girls you've mastered, boys you wouldn't be able to, to there's three things, to suggesting that I wasn't sure about my sexuality, to touch me too much, to getting to a point that I responded with, you know, something that I shouldn't have said, I've said it and it's been said. So we've got these six things and I was 16 at the time and it was a couple of days later, I get a call from the boss and he's like, hey, Jake, I need you to come in early for your shift today. Can you bring in a parent with you? And I was like, yeah, okay, but they, they don't have a uniform or anything. Just what do you mean? So we get in there and he's like, sorry, you know, sat, sat me and mum down. He's like, sorry to say this, but, uh, you know, you've had a sexual harassment claim put against you. We've got to give you an official written warning, rah, 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 rah. And it's just like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about? Why have a sexual harassment claim put against me? He's like, yeah, we'll see. The other night you said this to such and such. And I was like, yeah, I said that because he fucking touches me all the time and like says all this shit about me being able to be turned and all the rest. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And of course, at the time, like if this happened to me right now, the sort of like 
the the my my like vocabulary and like what do you call it my dichotomy of words is so much greater with so much more confidence that i would fuck up both my boss and the person putting the thing against me like it wouldn't it would not be a question of who's going to win this battle it's like no 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 i have everything on my side against you but unfortunately at the time i was 16 full of fucking confused hormones and also like overwhelmed by the fact that someone was saying that I did something wrong. Like I, I can tell you genuinely from, from my heart that I'm a good person. I was raised with good morals and good values and that I don't do anything like out of my way to make someone uncomfortable or, you know, uncomfortable is basically the word. I don't want to make someone be put out from whatever they're doing for whatever reason. And if that involves you being gay or if that involves you wanting to identify as a fucking sea slug or whatever you want to do, I honestly go you. Go you. I want you to be as gay as you want to be as much as I want Black Ink to be hugely successful because this is my thing and that's your thing. And I know there's people going like, sexuality is different to ambition. Like, I don't fucking care, dude. Whatever it is that's important to you, whether it's how you identify in your gender, whether it's how much you apply yourself to your work, or whether it's how much water you drink in a day, I don't fucking care. Just you do you, okay? I'm not trying to pull you down. And in return, I expect you're not trying to pull me down. And then... After having this kind of backwards and forwards where I'm crying with my mum sitting next to me, you know, at this table being titled what a sexual harassment claim put against me at 16 by someone in their 50s, completely robbed by the fucking world at that moment. And my boss was like, well, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Are you going to put in a sexual harassment claim against him? How do you think the, how it looks for the business if we ostracize him if we put him out in the fucking breeze and and you know make make him feel bad i'm not going to have a fucking comment just like the metaverse i'm not trying to give you a warning i'm not trying to come up with some sort of like side or i want anyone to have an opinion just what a story hey but the way i explained it on the previous podcast was not with as many nice words and i definitely said like i i actually said the thing that i said in real life to him and it's like fuck bro you can't put that up on the internet like literally if i found that of myself in 5 years i'd have to cut it out and cancel myself cuz you just can't put that on the internet you know but yeah just a fucking that and like the problem was was like that podcast is filled full of like 20 second chunks of gold so i can't even de- like delete it i'm just making all these clips from it so that i can post them and use them to promote the actual podcast itself and then furthermore i'm getting people watching those clips being like where the fuck is this podcast i want to watch it so it is what it is but i tell you what i do need to address because i've already gone over the time limit i haven't even fucking said anything about it this light which if you're listening to the audio version of this i suggest that you go onto youtube right now and watch this because i got this as a birthday gift now if any of you know where is it Ah, about 10 podcasts 15 podcasts ago i put this up right which is basically the fucking cardboard version made with highlighter and sharpies of this exact neon light. And if you're unaware of where this light comes from, it probably has a million different places where it was originally. But the one place I saw it is, it's that scene in Big Daddy when he's like, he's sleeping at Sonny's place for the first time and he's like, oh, I need a nightlight. He goes, oh, you need a nightlight? And he like goes into another room, comes back, plugs this on, he goes, oh yeah, how's that? And that's how I first learned about this live nudes fucking neon light. And I've had it in the back of my mind forever and ever and ever. And I don't even remember how I got the idea of fucking of like drawing this i just one day found this piece of cardboard and like taped it all together and then just like yes drew it drew it out with a pencil and ended up drawing it in with texter and it's funny you know you come up to your birthday and i don't know i think i'm the sort of person that i'm a hard person to buy gifts for but not because i 
I have everything, but because I really don't want for too much shit. And the things that I do want for, I just make a plan to figure out how to get them and I get them and I move on. So when people say like, oh, what do you want for your birthday? I'm like, look, man, I fucking have have no idea or just get me fucking jocks. Cause like for some reason I got that blowout ass in the back. I'll fucking, I'll ruin a pair of jocks in like a month just because the fucking back half of it's being stretched so much, you know? Dude, it's a badonkadonk, you know? Like I can sit down and don't start feeling it for a minute and a half because I've got so much fucking, so much junk, you know what I'm saying? Dude, that that whole, the, everything that I just said can be taken like 15 different ways, hey? That was fucking crazy. But the point is, my man's gets me this and like my birthday isn't until Wednesday and he said like you got to open it now because i got to fly out I'm not going to see you and I want to see you opening this thing dude as soon as I opened it and saw it it's one of those things where like I fucking couldn't believe that he got me this because this is the perfect gift in my mind this is so wild that like this is something that I didn't know that I wanted but I wanted it hell bad and I never would have bought it for myself even if I saw this in real life at a shop I would never justify whatever that cost to buy it because it's just like that's such a fucking... That's just, just a perfect gift. That's what you buy for someone. That's something that's expensive. Not even necessarily expensive. It's just like, it's something that you go like, he'll love that and he'll never buy it for himself. I just like, it's one of those things I still look at and I can't believe how fucking cool that is. You know, and like, it has to be part of my podcast studio now because I had the fucking, you know, this for, for so long now that it's like, well, when you can't have this, you have the real thing. You know what I mean? So fucking super excited to get that so i'm gonna find a place to mount that this afternoon i'll probably put it somewhere up here or somewhere cool you'll see it next podcast you'll see it hanging up and be like oh my god jake you're so fucking you're so live nudes you know but with that said it is my birthday on wednesday which is tomorrow because i upload this a day after i record it today's monday tomorrow's tuesday the next day is wednesday and for my birthday i'm going to be running a very short very limited sale okay for this sale you get three shirts for $100, okay, which means each of your shirts are $33.30 each, which of course is almost half price for some of them. I'm going to be, I don't know if I'm going to limit this to things that I can print myself or I'm going to have DTG garments in there as well, um, which obviously means full color. But the point is, there are heaps of different ways you can look at this, okay? You've got three Christmas presents sorted for $100. You've got a new t-shirt collection for your wardrobe for summer for $100. You've got two Christmas presents and a t-shirt for $100. However you want to work this, it's right in the time to knock three easy Christmas presents out of the park. You can have them individually. I'm also offering Christmas wrapping on this as well. You can have them individually wrapped, different sizes, the same size, three of the same thing, three different things, whatever you want. I just want to fucking help people out coming into summer and not coming into summer, coming into Christmas because I know there's a heap of people that are going to leave their buying until the last second. So hopefully this helps you fill some stockings all around the place and it's keeping your money super local because I get these shirts sent in from an Australian warehouse. I get them relabeled in Donnybrook. I print them myself and the ones that I can't print, I get direct to garment. Literally a kilometer as a crow flies from here. We are local as fuck boy and we're keeping that money local this Christmas, which is obviously always a good thing. So if you're going to take advantage of that shit, as soon as you hear about this, send me a DM. I'll send you the link. We'll get you on it because you shouldn't be having to wait because obviously you're a very important person watching my podcast and I would love to reward you for that. I also... By the time you're watching this or listening to this, I would have been to a business uh, owners, leaders, like kind of group thing. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I basically Googled small business seminar in Bunbury and came up with this uh, result of these business leaders spread out through Perth and Bunbury. They meet once every two weeks for breakfast and coffee and da, da, da. Um, 
And yeah, like the whole process to get into that was kind of interesting. It uh, So when I found them, it takes them to their website and then you do a bit of a quiz, which basically figures out where you're sitting with your business, how much knowledge and skills you're taking into it, what you've got employed, what's already working, what systems you have, how many staff you have, what's your turnover, what's your industry. And then they send you like a, a link to have a meeting with them over Zoom, kind of like Metaverse. Anyway, so I did the fucking, I did the little... Uh, like test thing that they do. It's not a test. It's just like a, you know, what do you do when you fill out all the bullshit like survey? And um, I didn't get any email. And I was like, oh, well, I mustn't make enough money or maybe I'm in the wrong industry or maybe they don't take people in retail or whatever it might be. So I stopped thinking about it. And then at the start of it all, you had to put in a time and a day that if you were going to have a meeting when it would suit you. So I was like, oh yeah, I think this was on Wednesday, all this happened. And I just fucking put in like two o'clock on Friday. Because I was like, oh, it was the first availability. The next meeting they have is Tuesday on the 30th, which was, you know, now tomorrow for me right now, which is today when I uploaded this for you. But um, I was like, oh, yeah, it all kind of times in right. So I did that, did the seminar, I did the fucking the survey and then never got an email. So I was like, oh, they just mustn't be interested in me. Anyway, I'm driving around two o'clock on fucking Friday afternoon. I get this call. And I'd also just posted some shit on Gumtree. So I'm half expecting it to be someone going like, oh, will you take 1500 bucks for your motorbike? I can have the cash today or Thursday. But it wasn't. It was a bloke called Dean. And Dean was like, hey, Jake, we've um, got an Irish accent. So imagine I'm doing all this with an Irish accent and a bald head as it turns out. He's like, hey, we're meant to be having a Zoom call at the moment. Are you, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm fucking, I'm out and about not doing a Zoom call. I said, I'll race home and we'll have this conversation. So I've raced home. And jumped on Zoom and started having this conversation with this bloke. And basically, it was like him just kind of figuring out, like, you know, how'd you find us? What are you hoping you get out of us? Here's the structure of how it all works as far as, like, money and other people and networking and so on. And he said, so are you interested? I said, fucking oath I'm interested. I'm dying to find out what this looks like in reality, what these meetups look like, what you talk about, what people have on offer, and whether it's a bunch of people like me who are fucking savage and ready to go do shit, or it's a bunch of people who have businesses and identify as business owners, right? And for anyone in small business for themselves, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The people who have like a gym's mowing around and they're like, yeah, I own a business. It's like, nah, bro, you own a job that you have to pay insurances for, okay? So what I'm looking for is to like, what I'm hoping to get out of this experience tomorrow morning is I want to go into a room of people that make me feel like I'm fucking stupid. I want to walk into a room where people have more time to listen to me. And like, I know it kind of, it, it, that, that kind of contradicts itself. Like I'm saying, I want to walk into a room where like I'm the dumbest person there. But the thing about really smart people is, is they like, not even smart people. The, the thing about good people is they will listen to you first because they're more interested in hearing about you than they are than talking about themselves to start with. So like, I'm super keen to meet a bunch of new people. I'm super keen just to be in a room full of people who don't have jobs, who their income relies on them being good at what they do, right? So I'm fucking fanging to hang, have that experience. I'm fanging to be able to talk to you and tell you what I learned. I know that Dean actually, the bloke from this place, he actually went on to, after I told him all about Black Ink and the podcast and the NFTs and the shirts and all the rest, um, I, he's like, oh, I want to listen to one of your podcasts. And I was like, if you listen to any of them, listen to episode 57, Fat Chick Threatens My Family. Go tell me, go listen to that. Tell me what you think. 
And I checked this morning, I had a new subscriber and a new comment on that. So I was like, fucking Dean, that's what's up, my man. And you know what? He's probably going to end up watching this podcast. So I'm Dean. I'm sorry that I picked on you for being Irish and bald. I really didn't. It's part of a joke. It's like a callback from what I spoke about earlier before. Anyway, be good to you, mum, because I'm fucking out. 56 minutes. You!